Hi. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Good. It's always awkward to start these casual encounters. I know, right? Which is, oh, hello. I didn't see you there. <laughs> Me in my wingback chair, smoking a cigar and drinking a nice bourbon. <laughs> uh, yeah, hi. I'm excited for today. Yes, me too, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. So many mixed emotions, really. For real. it's. I'm excited to do something the same yet different. I am excited to talk about this book because we have never talked about this book together. I guess we have it, which is weird because I was having a lot of flashbacks reading this. Like, it's weird. But yes, I will accept this version of reality where we haven't <laughs> discussed this book. <laughs> there could be another reality where we did. Maybe. 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 <laughs> Whatever that, that phrase is where you, like, remember you did something, but you didn't. Mandela effect? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta get my reality straight. <laughs> Only gay. <laughs> That's right. It was the gay reality where we talked about oh, it. Oh, no wonder. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Damn it, LJ. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, this yeah. is a podcast, too. This, this is a podcast, and... Today's a special episode because we are not doing a season. We are doing a special episode of Backlist and Chill. Mm -hmm. So normally we like to find an author and we shall read through their backlist. We might break up, you know, series and things like that. But this one we're just taking completely out of context of the author's backlist. And we just were like, let's do, let's do a Halloween episode. Yeah. Because if there's... One thing you and me like, it's Halloween. So, what are we reading? We are reading Thunderclap, Lightning Strike, Spooky Castle, The Last Vampire by Christopher Pike, which I'm showing to the microphone right now. Here it is. Here's the book. Here's the cover. Oh, shit. I have the same cover. Look at that. We just noticed. We just saw it through the microphone. Mine's the first edition. How about yours? <gasps> You're lucky. Mine's second edition. I don't even have to look. Oh, I'm so sorry. Well, it's no, it's first printing, but it's it's definitely second edition. Oh, I would trade you if I could, because I don't care about that shit. Mm. I know you do. Granted, do. mine is kind of gross and stained, and it may have some sort of disease on it. So <laughs> you might not want it. I mean, in this book, but all right. So, but here, I do want to. I do want to say <laughs> a thing. Because, as I told you, the reason I would never trade this for a first edition. Oh uh, yeah. Is that, so I was reading the book and I got maybe like 50 pages through and I closed it for like the first time because I was like, okay, that's a good, you know, stopping point for tonight. And I notice, here, look, see microphone? Oh, yeah, wow. right there, right on the edge. Yep. It is stamped. It says school library and then my hometown, public schools. <laughs> that's adorable. I look at the back. It's got the little barcode to scan it. I open up the last page. It's got the due date. No due date. Why has it got no due date, Ollie? Because Ollie stole this. You thief. Little Ollie read this fucking book. I was in middle school. It was the year 1994. So you were in middle school when this book came out? Yes. Amazing. No one else has read this copy. 
Wow. It's pretty beat up because I read this copy. (laughs) This is my copy. It's mine. I imbued it with my first time reading it. And I was just... Because I I remember distinctly it was on uh, one of those little spinny racks. And it had a bunch of like Christopher Pike and Arl Stein and Mm -hmm. Fear Street and Goosebumps. And I just like stood there and I was reading it. And I think I read like the whole first chapter just standing there. And it just went into my bag. (laughs) I didn't check it out because I didn't... I. I was terrified. I'm, I remembered after I talked with you about this. My parents, and it's funny because my mother loves vampires and she wouldn't have given a shit. But my parents were awful. So I just assumed anything that I did that I liked, Aww. they would not want me to, to do and have. And if this was like on my record of a book that I took out, maybe they would be able to see that. <laughs> That's wild. I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, my parents were shit. However, it is great that like fucking seventh, eighth grade me was like, I'm gonna steal this book now. you know what i want to read this and i don't want my parents to know thank you very much right i don't want anybody to know i'm gonna read this book and if i didn't like it i would have returned it but i loved it so so fuck you middle school library yeah fuck you this is mine now i am part of the problem it's just wild to be like (laughs) i don't want anyone to know it on my record so i'm gonna steal it instead like I know. What is wrong with you, child? A lot. I love that middle school you thought that your parents had access to your library records. That too. (laughs) (laughs) I, well, they probably told me. I don't remember, but they probably were like, oh yeah, we get reports on everything because they had spies everywhere. So I just like assumed they would know everything that if there was a record, they could get it. That's terrible. Yeah, no, they're shit. However, whatever, because this book is mine and... The other part that's great and why I will never get rid of it is because, so, like, I was a teenage runaway. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, I packed up everything into my car that I could, and this was in that car. I've been homeless and had my friends store my stuff, and I used to have a lot of books, and then um, I had to downgrade. I had only two boxes of books, which sounds like a lot to some people, but not if you're a reader. Mm -mm. And this was in those two boxes. I have dealt with, like, so many downgrades, so many times I've had to get rid of all my shit, and this book always made the cut. It's yours. It's your book for only you. Me. No one else can read this. I'll never lend this book to someone, because what if they don't fucking give it back? This is my book. Well, it's fine, because if they touch it, their hand will shrivel and burn. Like a flower. (laughs) What? What? If I stare at a flower too long, it will wither. No, I forgot that. That's beautiful. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, this is my book. And it smells like book. Oh, I know. Mine does too. I'm a little afraid to put my face into it. Because <laughs> yours like is like horrifying. Yeah, I got mine from a used bookstore and it's got so many stains and I don't know what other stuff. Oh my god, I love that your book is like, I've been all over the place. And mine's like, I've <laughs> only known your hands and your caress. <laughs> My book is well-worn. My book has experience. It's had a life before me. Mine is so innocent. (laughs) (laughs) Yours has been your constant companion. It's true. It's true. The other thing is that, like, this book was on my shelf and we were discussing, you know, which ones are we going to get? And it was right there. You know, like, I have a lot of books that are just still kind of in boxes or on shelves in boxes or crates. But I've got one shelf with books that I like to have visible. And this one was just right there. It's just always there. It's always on my shelf. Ollie, Ollie, this book is like one of the toys in Toy Story. It's been waiting for you this whole time. <laughs> Someday you'll want to read me again. Yes, now <laughs> this is the time. 
this is good. And it's going to go back over to the other R.L. Stein and Christopher Pike books that it lives with. And it'll be like, I even got a podcast. <laughs> Embrace me again, my friends, where I have known the touch of our Lord. <laughs> Let me tell you all about it. I was read and then I was spoken of and I had my <laughs> photograph taken and it was good. <laughs> I fear I may have fallen in their esteem. <laughs> no, fuck, I love you. Even though you're so problematic, I love you. And I'm so glad that I read you again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it smells real good. It smells like air. In a, and that sounds weird, but like, you know, like just clean air. It just smells like a forest. It has not as strong of that vanilla earth smell as some books. I think because it's probably not gotten as dusty. <laughs> mm, that's fair. It hasn't sat in storage necessarily too long. It gets to stay out in the open. No, I can I can see that. Mine smells like the smell that you can only associate with a book in a bookstore. Mm. I couldn't even compare it to anything else. It's that kind of a little bit more sawdusty smell. Um, yeah, I could see that. The the smell of I can I can, like I can smell it in my mind where it just it fills your nose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's good. It is good. Mine, so when I smell this, I specifically flash back to a J.D. Stamper book, Tales for the Midnight Hour, mm. which I feel like has to be the first book that I ever noticed had that smell. Oh, that's so cool. But yeah, so like I think of that book and then, you know, immediately after it's like, no, it's a bookstore smell. <laughs> what an, I, oh, I love scent memory. It's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Good times. <sighs> Good book. Anyway, so we also read the book. Yeah, we didn't just sniff it. <laughs> no, no, we've changed our minds. This podcast is going to be two hours of us just talking about how the book smells. <laughs> Look, there are people out there, if we could describe it well enough, they'd be like, yeah, good, turn the page, how's that one smell? <laughs> right, we're going to do book smell ASMR. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny, though, because, like, you smell the books, and like you said, you get right, right back to a thing. It's like, so we just picked the book up and went... <sighs> yeah, I got it. I remember everything. <laughs> no, that's our our scent is four thousand times that of a bloodhound, so we don't have to read the book. We can <laughs> just smell it. <laughs> I can smell the ink on the page and where the letters are, and therefore I know. <laughs> what your vampires don't have that power? Hmm. How odd. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So this is our first dude author it is i feel a way about that but if it was going to be anybody it would have to be christopher pike right yeah and when we were deciding which christopher pike book to read we were between a couple and like i have a favorite christopher pike and you have that that book as well and like Mm -hmm. we had a couple other ones but like you were like go ahead you pick and while i wanted to read the other one i was like no you know what the last vampire is just super classically christopher pike let's do that one it's very iconic. It is, and it's very Halloween. Like, some of the other ones are more like, here's a spooky ghost story. See, I personally, I can see why this one would be Halloweeny. This one, to me, feels like the least spooky yeah, it's not of his spooky. books. I feel like this one is very hard pulp. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Like, the way it opens and everything, too. It does a good job at being a sit-down-at-the-poolside-read-it-in-an-afternoon kind of book. <laughs> it's true. I was having some trouble. <laughs> I had another cat's moment where I was like, oh, I agreed to read this. <laughs> um, but 
I, I feel like I have this moment every time I read this book where I read the first chapter and I hate it. Mm. And then I sort of get into it and I'm, I find myself halfway through the book and I'm like, oh, okay, no, I can't actually read this. Yeah. Yeah. The opening is just kind of like, what? And then in the middle, you're like, okay, it's fine. And honestly, I, every time I read it, I think I just forget the ending. <laughs> I do too. Cause like, if somebody walks up to me and says, hey, have you read The Last Vampire? I'll be like, well, yeah, I've read all of them. All fucking six of these things. And then if somebody's like, hey, what was The Last Vampire about? Uh, <laughs> <Sita>. Good question. <laughs> yeah, it's for a book where like some big shit happens, nothing happens. Yeah, it's very like I remember the end from my last reread, which was not super long ago. You read it for uh, for You're Killing Me? I was going to, uh, and then I never got around to it because it's very hard to discuss. As we shall find. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like anything that happens between the cover and the bomb, I could not tell you about. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today so that at least we'll have it recorded. <laughs> we'll hard code those memories. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, so, today on Backlist and Chill... Ollie is drinking a fucked up version of a broken mirror that I like to call shattered mirror. Clap, clap, clap. Clap, clap, clap. It's just absente, absinthe, some lime juice, and some simple syrup. And it's fucking delicious, and I love it. And I've already drank half the glass, so we good. Cheers. How about you? So I had a drink in mind, but I didn't have time to go out and get the stuff for it. So instead, I was just like, what do I have that's red that I can put into a glass? So it's got ginger ale mm. as the base, raspberry liqueur as the primary alcohol. Nice. Um, and then it's got the red stuff, the cherry stuff. Fuck yeah. Grenadine. Grenadine. Yes, it has grenadine in it. So it's like a raspberry ginger ale with extra sugar. Oh yeah. No, it's so sugary. There's also some lemon juice in here, so it's a little sour. That's good. And then it still wasn't red enough, so I took some clear vodka, I mixed up some red food coloring, and I dumped that shit in. <laughs> Is it like drinking like a fake blood pack at Halloween? Kind of, yes. It's very... The primary tastes are honestly the raspberry liqueur and the lemon juice that I put mm. in there, which is wild, because I did not put that much lemon juice in it. What do you call this red drink? A cita. Nice. I was hoping you would... <laughs> <laughs> the lemon is for her blonde fucking hair yep so that's what we're drinking today nice i'm gonna read the back of the blurb and then i would like you to tell us about the book cover if that's cool yes sir all right she thought she was the last vampire Alyssa pern is a five thousand year old vampire for ages she has hunted humanity loved humanity but now someone hunts her who is this person? What is he or she? Another vampire? Alyssa is not sure. She thought she was the last of her kind. Alyssa has only one lead to follow. A detective, Mike Riley, has tried to blackmail her. In haste, before she could learn everything he knew, she killed him. Now she must go after the detective's son and find out what his father knew. Fifty centuries old, and she must enter high school and befriend mm -hmm. Ray Riley, a handsome, shy boy who will attract her like no mortal has in centuries. Ray will make Alyssa think the unthinkable, to make another of her kind something she hasn't done since ancient times. 
But will Alyssa use Ray to help protect her from the mysterious enemy, or will she just use him as bait? I feel like they got it mostly right, but some shit very wrong. I mean, that's that's the first act-ish, right? Yeah, like, they got the first part right. The She's old, the detective tried to blackmail her, she killed him, and now she has to go and get the son. Like, that is all correct and true. When we get to, like, handsome shy boy who will attract her, fine, didn't really seem as shy, that was maybe more Seymour. And then, like, attract her like no mortal has in centuries. I understand you're going to do that to, to get people to pick up the book and be like, a little bit of romance, what? But the whole, he'll make her think the unthinkable. And will she use him to protect herself from the enemy or will he be bait? That's, like, the very end of the book. Mm-hmm. So, like, spoilers. <laughs> so, like, they mostly got it right. I would say of the blurbs we have read of late, that's a pretty fucking good blurb. <laughs> Yeah, no, this is this is good for the course. I like the part where it's like 50 centuries old and she must enter high, high school. school? Blah, blah. Record scratch. Yeah, I can see the fucking uh, movie trailer now. I also like that the blurb treats that as a moment worthy of record scratch, whereas now that's just, that would be the default. Yeah, that it became such a trope. Vampire goes yeah. to high school. Right? It's just a thing that they do, you know? Yeah, sometimes I go to school. Yeah, Yeah, where this is like, wow, you're so old and you have to, like, do this thing to protect yourself. (laughs) That's so weird. You don't just, like, go grab him and be like, kid, do this thing for me. Stick out your leg on the side of the road and then (laughs) kidnap him? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Because whatever, if I'm that kind of person who kills people, which I am not currently. Mm -hmm, Good job. uh, What am I going to care? This, I need this information. It's the year 1994. I can just move somewhere else. I'm a fucking vampire. Worst case scenario, I have to kill this kid too. Or mind wipe him. What powers do I have? We don't know. (laughs) There are a lot of hoops that she kind of has to jump through to justify going to high school. But once she gets there, it's like, oh no, I could never kill him. Feelings. I met you for five seconds. And I would kill everyone in this room. Right? (laughs) Uh, So tell me about the cover. We have the same one and I love this cover. We do. This is classic. So mm-hmm. we both have the 1994 edition, which is pre-bind-up. Yes. And it is a lovely cover illustration by Brian Kotsky. Um, I don't know for sure that he's the one who does all the rest of the covers, but I would not be surprised because it's very much in the Christopher Pike style. Yeah. That old pulpy illustration style. And it's in hues of orange, pink, and yellow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a an illustration of Ray sitting in front of what looks like lava, honestly, with this yeah. question mark. <laughs> That's always been the one thing that I do not understand. They don't go to a cave filled with lava. Nope. Lava does not enter the picture, so I'm not really sure. I guess it's metaphorical lava. Yeah. Um, It's Ray sitting in front of lava with Sita slash Elisa slash Laura behind him. And she's kind of cradling his head and like draping herself over him. And he's got this look on his face like, oh, I got a pretty girl behind me. I'm 18. Um, But I like it. I like that Sita is posed as like a sensual threat behind him. I think that's interesting. And I I think that you can see a lot of covers that have kind of reverse situation. 
Yeah, and in those situations, you're like, oh my god, I feel so nervous for the girl. And this mm-hmm. one, you're like, I do not feel nervous for that girl. <laughs> no, I don't. I feel nervous for that boy. Yeah. So, yeah, and then on the top in, in yellow, it says Christopher Pike in that trademark font. Mm-hmm. And then at the bottom in pink, The Last Vampire. So good. Do you have the tagline? Uh, yes. This time, someone is hunting her. Dun, dun, dun. I love this cover. Like, I could see this cover across the room and know what book it is. Also, I was just looking at it and I, like, I love his stupid little, like, white polo and his tan fucking slacks and how she's in, like, what is probably a black long sleeve turtleneck. Mm -hmm. And she just looks like she's risen out of this pool of lava to be like, I'm going to pull you back in. And he's like, I don't (laughs) know if I want to do that. I like how young Ray looks, too. Yeah. Unlike the Secret Circle ones where we were like, they look kind of old. Well, and I like that she looks older than him. She does. Like, she's supposed to look like she's, like, between 18 and 20. And, like, Mm -hmm. I can see that. But at the same time, like, she could pass for 30, you know? Yeah, sure. It's creepy. It's weird. It sets the tone. And if you look real close on on the side of the cover, it says $3.99 US, $4.99 Canada. (laughs) Oh, wow. I do see that. I love when you could get a book for less than $5, a whole book. I know. It's wild. All right. So let's get into this. Let's get into this. So I know we have some notes. We do. And I know you've got a big ass note right at the beginning that has nothing to do with this book, but it does. All right. All right, kids. Sit down. Let's, uh, let's talk. So let's wrap, fellow teens. Let's wrap. Let's wrap. I'm going to turn around my chair. Uh, I'm gonna sit straddling it. Put that hat backwards. Yes, like a like a youth pastor. <laughs> um, uh, We're in a church basement now. All right, you ready? <laughs> Everybody, gather around, gather around. So I mentioned I've read this before that I don't remember it, but I did distinctly remember that every time I do read this, I'm like, "Holy shit, it's in the forest of the night," and then I forget. But. <laughs> I know we talked about In the Forest of the Night, obviously, a couple of seasons ago. Season two, I think. And I remember feeling a little mystified about where that book came from. Well, guess what, kids? Now we know. Now we figured it out. Because the first chapter of these books are, in structure, basically the same thing. Yeah. Now you, you have your copy of Forests there. I do. I do have my copy. I am a vampire, and that is the truth. But the modern meaning of the word vampire, the stories that have been told about creatures such as I, are not precisely true. I do not turn to ash in the sun, nor do I cringe when I see a crucifix. I wear a tiny gold cross now around my neck, but only because I like it. I cannot command a pack of wolves to attack or fly through the air, nor can I make another of my kind simply by having him drink my blood. Wolves do like me, though, as do most predators, and I can jump so high that one might imagine I can fly. As to blood, ah, blood, the whole subject fascinates me. I do like that as well, warm and dripping when I am thirsty, and I am often thirsty. Hmm, that's pretty good. Hmm, hmm, good shit right there. My home has no coffin in it. I sleep in a bed, thank you. I do have blackout curtains, but only because I usually find myself sleeping during the day. I do not burn in sunlight, but bright noonday sun does hurt my eyes. The vampire myths are so confused that it's easy to see that they were created by mortals. Some myths are true. My reflection is faint and older ones in my line have no reflection at all. 
As for other myths, there is little truth and many lies. I do dislike the smell of garlic, but if your sense of smell was 20 times stronger than that of the average bloodhound, would you not dislike it as well? Holy water and crosses do not bother me. Indeed, I have been to Christian services since I died, though I no longer look for solace in religion. I wear a silver ring set with a garnet stone, and the silver does not burn me. If someone hammered a stake through my heart, I suppose I would die, but I do not play with humans, stakes, or mallets. My heart beats, I can hear it now, like thunder in my ears. My hearing is very sensitive, as is my sight. I can hear a dry leaf break off a branch a mile away, and I can clearly see the craters on the moon without a telescope. Both senses have grown more acute as I get older. My immune system is impregnable, my regeneration system miraculous, if you believe in miracles, which I don't. I can be stabbed in the arm with a knife and heal within minutes without scarring, but if I were to be stabbed in the heart, say with the currently fashionable wooden stake, then maybe I would die. It is difficult for even a vampire's flesh to heal around an implanted blade, but it is not something I haven't experimented with. Holy shit, man. I do not need much sleep, two hours at most, which I usually take when the sun is at its brightest. Sunlight does affect me, although no, it is not to the mortal enemy Bram Stoker imagined in his tale of Count Dracula. Pretty much everything that you dis you said gets mentioned in here somehow, except like maybe the garlic, but like all of my senses are so particular, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Like we know that the author was a child when mm -hmm. they wrote In the Forest of the Night. So like if you read this book and then you go and read Forests, it's very mm -hmm. clear. Like I can't remember. Like I know we've discussed, like we were on the boards and things like that. I was friends with the author for a while, but I don't remember if there was a, oh yes, of course I read The Last Vampire and I loved it. <laughs> like, right. I can't remember because that was not on my radar. But there is no way that that wasn't the case. Yeah. Obviously, you can do a vampire book in first person. You can even soliloquize about all of your different powers and how they do or don't compare. Obviously, there are differences. Obviously, there are differences in the book and the way it works. But, like, even down to the fact that, like, uh, Forest is formulated where um, it's present and then past. Last Vampire is mostly present. Yeah. But there are at least two occasions where Sita goes to sleep and she dreams about her origins, which is something that Rizika does constantly. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. you can see if somebody read this when they were very young and then sort of based their understanding of vampires on it. Yeah. Or or even just it's a big spice that went into the pot, you know? Yeah, where it's like neither of us is saying, this got totally ripped off. But like... Right. Hi, you're 12, 13. Maybe you read this a couple years ago. Uh, it's a huge, huge influence and mm -hmm. like stylistically, plotline wise, understanding of vampires down to the voice. Like everything I said, Rasika could have said. Everything you said, Sita could have said. Mm -hmm. Oh, and that someone is like hunting this character after a long time that they thought was was gone long gone from their life well even down to the very first chapter sita says something along the lines of um who am i telling this to why am i telling this to them well i'm not going to tell you right now but she establishes that she is sort of narrating that to someone yeah whereas in force of the night you get this same exposition told to you, the reader, in first person. Yeah. But they've removed the element of, like, interview with the vampire <laughs> with somebody. So yeah. that, like, The Last Vampire you, with, provides you with a reason that the story is written the way that it is. And Forrest doesn't. 
Yeah. Forrest is just like, I am telling you these things and my mood this, my mood that. And this one is like, I'm telling these things to someone, but I won't tell you who. That was the other thing. Sita does that all the time. She's like, I'm going to do this because today my mood is this. And I'm like, ah, Razika. Yeah. Ah, Razika, it you. <laughs> I see you. <laughs> I had to save that like three or four times where it comes up and she's like, because my mood demands it. I'm like, oh my God. It's adorable. <laughs> I will say that I do feel like Sita is like the nastier older sister of Rizika. Yeah. Comparatively, Rizika is like a soft little fluffy bunny. Seriously. Sita is like, I will kill you after I fuck you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Rizika's like, I don't want to talk to anybody or anything. And yeah, that includes murdering things. I just want to hang out with my tigers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and my tiger, we're going to chill. It's interesting because, like, I, you could almost say that uh, Forest of the Night is the harsher edges of the last vampire sanded off. And somehow also whitewashed, even though Christopher Pike's story is also whitewashed. Like, Yeah, but it acknowledges that people of color exist. Right. Like, it, it takes all of the, like, Hindu aspects of Sita's story out of it and turns yeah. it into, like, a, you know, a Christian girl kind of thing. Yeah. But I think that Forrest, as a result, ends up with a very different vibe than The Last Vampire. So yeah, I, I, I wouldn't even say that, like, it's the middle grade version of The Last Vampire, even though that's what my snarky heart wants to say. Because they do very different things. They do very different things, but I... I would personally call mm-hmm. Forrest more of mid-grade after reading this one. Like, reading this one, I was like, holy shit, I read this when I was in 7th or 8th grade. I don't know when. Yeah. It's young adult, but, like, you hardly even see a young adult book like this. Um, I mean, maybe you do. I haven't read newer ones. But, like, for a long time, th- this would not have been. This would have been, like, such an adult book. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. It is very adult for, like, a mm-hmm. pulpy fucking story. Where after reading it, it's like, wow, Forrest is not very young adult, even though it is young adult, but like, fucking Last Vampire sure ain't middle grade. <laughs> <laughs> no, Last Last Vampire is uh, the R edge of YA, and uh, In the Forest of the Night is, is firmly PG. Yeah, exactly. Supremely PG. Like, Last Vampire is... Like, all right, well, what if we take out all the all the fucks from this movie? Can we then get a PG-13 rating? <laughs> yes. yes? Okay, great. <laughs> right, we can leave the sex and violence in, but as long as we don't say fuck, then it's for kids. <laughs> we can sell it to kids. <laughs> this is true. I, I only say that because I don't want to dunk on Forrest because there are things about The Last Vampire that feel very immature. Oh my god, yeah. That don't feel that way in Forrest. So... Obviously, the the author maturity levels are different, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, but like, I don't want to dunk on Forrest but, because but like that's fuck what I was gonna say book. though is that like Forrest is written by by an actual like member of the audience, and so therefore any of its immaturity doesn't feel immature. It takes itself very seriously. Mm-hmm. Where this is like some shit happens, and you're just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, and also Christopher Pike is. Christopher Pike, so his characters, particularly sexy lady Sita, is Mm. of questionable authenticity. Yeah, 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 yeah. Forrest is way more authentic in that way, where Last Vampire is like, eh, bang it out in a couple weeks. Here you go. (laughs) I think that's the key. For me, Forrest definitely feels like a very heartfelt, like, story of my heart kind of thing. Yeah. And The Last Vampire, which, hey, 
you know, if that's how you're making your living, Last Vampire feels banged out in about three weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of its goddamn problems. It's such a fucking nostalgia read for me. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, that's... I get that. And, I mean, we're not going to do, like, an author thing on Pike because I don't want to. Do not want Um, to. But, like, you know, Christopher Pike was, by this point, like, making a living doing this, releasing, like, you know, several books a year. Oh, my God, like, one a month, I think. Right. So, like, obviously, they're going to be different in in tone and quality and in just the sort of era in which they were published. Yeah. And, and like, this was five years before Forests was published, which means it was, like, three years before Forests was written, probably. Mm -hmm. Also interesting to note in terms of timeline, Last Vampire is two years after Vampire Diaries. Oh shit. Mm-hmm. Also, can I take a moment to be um salty Go about on. the fact that this book was written was published in nineteen ninety-four, a year after Secret Circle, and we have open admittedly bisexual Sita. Right? Like she is not just admitting it once, she admits it like three times. Yep. I mean, granted, the the relationship of her heart is a hetero one, but... Right, still bisexual. Yep. Although, I would have fucking loved if her reborn husband had been Pat. Oh, of course. <laughs> Listen, we can always put in more gay. Always more gay. But it's still valid. Uh, Still 100% Sita is bisexual. Yep, and she, she says the word. Mm-hmm. I feel like she's bisexual, but hetero-romantic. That seems like what it is. I want to say, just from what little I remember of the rest of the series, that there are women involved, but I can't remember exactly how, so... Okay. Well, that would be nice, because there's, like, one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, this book. Uh Uh-huh. The basic plot is that... I'm just going to call her Sita. She goes by other names. Somebody has hired a detective named Mike Riley, who gets killed in the first chapter, because he says the wrong shit, and Sita's just like, well... You gotta die. <laughs> Fucking told you. <laughs> if you don't do the stuff. Like, she's an admitted, I get impulsive when I'm irritated kind of vampire. And she's like, I told you I was fucking impulsive. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, well, good. At least she shows that. So she kills him, but she sees he has a son. And she's like, well, maybe the son knows how to get into the locked computer. Which is wild to me because I wouldn't have known how to get into my father's computer. But whatever. So she has to go enroll in high school. This nice little scene of like, her hiring the people just for like a couple paragraphs. It's good. Done. Instantly. And she's like, get me in as many of Ray Riley's classes as possible. Mm-hmm. So she gets to school. She meets Ray. She meets Ray's girlfriend, Patricia, who they call Pat. But I, I don't know. In my head, I just call her Patricia. And she's like, whoa. He has my like 5,000 year dead husband's eyes. Sort of. She says eyes, but she really means soul. Yeah, she means so. Because, like, throughout the book, she'll be like, they have the same voice. I mean, not at all, but... <laughs> like, if you put them side by side, you couldn't tell, but I could. Yeah, because I'm a vampire. <laughs> she does that about, like, everything. She's like, they look so similar, but not at all. I, I love that. I love that, because then you can just pretend that this is all in Sita's head. Yeah, basically. She's like, I don't know what you're doing, Sita, but you've decided to imprint on this fucking kid, but go ahead. Mm-hmm. In another class, in gym, she meets Seymour, who's a nerd. She's like, you got a nerd name. And he's like, I like you. I am a nerd. Um, (laughs) I had quite forgotten, honestly, that it was Ray who, spoilers, gets turned into a vampire at the end. I thought it was Seymour. Mm. 
because I remembered that Ray, uh, that Seymour was sick. So she, she meets Seymour, she touches him, and she's like, dun dun dun, he's sick. Spoilers, he's got AIDS. Which felt very, like, of the time. I remember when I was reading it, I was like, a character with AIDS? Mm-hmm. Wow. And then she's like, you don't look gay. And he's like, I'm not. And I'm like, boo. <laughs> boo. Like, I know you're a teenager, but boo. I mean, it's problematic, but I thought it was funny. She's like, you don't look gay because you were definitely checking out my tits. <laughs> And he's like, you have a great body. And uh, no, I'm not gay. <laughs> I'm like, you could be bi, baby. You could be bi. So she meets him. That evening, she's told Ray, hey, come over and help me move stuff because my parents are still up in Colorado. And they like spend some time sexy naked hot tub. <laughs> they really do. Literally naked in the hot tub. Right. They get in the hot tub. She gives him a massage. And then she's like, oh, no, I like this kid. Oh, no, he really cares about his girlfriend. I don't want to hurt anybody. He should go. But I really still need to get into that fucking computer. I like that she also notes that when she meets Ray, she meets Pat at the same time. And she likes them both. She does. It's not like a thing where she's like, ugh, his bitch girlfriend. She's like, no, I also like that kid. Yeah, where she's like, Pat actually really does love him. Like, Mm -hmm. that's really rare. And it's true. It is rare when you're a kid to really love someone. Like... Usually it's, I'm with someone, hooray, or, like, obsession, or something like that. Like, right. she really cares about him, and he really cares about her, and Sita is like, oh, that's so rare, and I like you both, but you are in the way, Pat. <laughs> so I am going to hurt you. Sita has said that, you know, oh, my my dad is actually dead. And it's true, her dad was dead, long fucking dead, and murdered. <laughs> so when Ray's like, I haven't heard from my dad in a little while... She's like, you should probably look into that. Go check out if he's at his office. And he's like, why are you doing this? And she's like, ahem. And he's like, oh, right. Because your dad got murdered. Dead dad. Got it. (laughs) Right? Like, this is good. This is good. So eventually they get over to his office. There's some shenanigans. But she gets the file. Um, She looks at the file. And there's like a fuck ton of information on her. And she gets like information on Mr. Slim. Who she sends a fax to. I love the 90s. And... (laughs) They decide they're going to meet. So they meet at this pier. I love that they were sending faxes back and forth to each other, like Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr. <laughs> like, dear Elisa, dear Mr. Slim. A dot Slim. A dot Pern. It's like, why are you bothering with this? Just write a note. Like, you're so right. polite. It's so funny. I did appreciate too, because I noted it. It starts out, Dear Mr. Slim, and signed, you know, Alyssa Pern. Dear Miss Pern, signed Mr. Slim. And then it's Mm -hmm. Mr. Slim, no signature. Alyssa, no signature. (laughs) 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 Like, you knew what was up. So she meets them. She quickly realizes she's outgunned because there's like three fucking cars that have come for her and there's like sniper rifles trained on her and some German woman is there with Slim who's like some old school military dude so they're like put on these cuffs that are like some gold alloy i don't know but she's like mm, yeah i wouldn't be able to just break out of these and i'm laughing because i'm like i'm pretty sure you could but <laughs> she's like i can tear through the fucking ground like a knife through a man's flesh okay i hate every time sita pauses to talk about how wow. she's the best awesome. at whatever she she's doing everything i'm an excellent pianist but i do not compose i'm like fuck you <laughs> i am an olympic class archer i was taught by the best i know more about computers than most experts but i can't hack into this fucking ms dos <laughs> I can run really fast and I'm really good at this thing. And I'm like, shut the fuck 
Uh, right? I do not care. And, I mean, again, you want to talk about, you know, uh, in The Forest of the Night, uh, Dennis Shadow's characters, they do the same thing. Everyone's the best at everything. <laughs> but I feel like the amount of times that Pike has Sita say that she's good at a thing, that's not even really related to being a vampire like the computer thing she's like oh no i'm just really good at computers though yeah it's just time and honestly so like if i was building this character sheet she'd have way too many dots and i'd be like <laughs> you can't make this character i'm sorry yeah, i'm sorry this character is op i like it's way too op like she's she's what second gen i mean she'd be a third gen if we're playing vampire the masquerade but it's like hello i am the leader yeah, she's of the-, the first though She's not the first. Yaksha's the first, and she was Yaksha. made by Yaksha. No, I know, I know. But the second gen all got killed in Vampire the Masquerade, so she would, oh, by okay. default, have to be. Although, gotcha. wait, hold on, you know what? I will accept that she's second gen, because all of the second gen and most of the third gen and all of them, all the thousands of people, as we, you know, shall discuss, mm-hmm. did get killed, so I will, I will allow it. I will allow that there's a second gen that we didn't know about in Vampire the Masquerade that survived this whole time. And, like, I get it. She's been around for thousands of years. She's had time to hone all these skills. It's but just annoying. computers have only been around for, like, not that long. It's 94. That I mean, that's true. But I, and I, it's just it's just annoying. It's my personal pet peeve. I hate it every time she stopped the action to talk about how good she was a thing. I'm like, you don't have to tell me. You can just do it. Yeah. No, I know. I agree. The one that really super pulled me out was the was the piano one. Mm-hmm. where I'm like we're almost at the end of the book and you still have to tell me how good you are at something <laughs> and I mean to be fair Sita is also the type of person who would say that <sighs> right like it's very in character it's just an obnoxious character I would never allow someone to play this character <laughs> she's a lot she's extremely extra there are times where she is extra in a way that's fun yeah I love her being so in charge of her sexuality being so confident I love that yes and she has some some good lines and stuff. It's just ugh, this this character. She's a lot. All right, so she's at the pier. So they put her <laughs> in the limo. Everybody's like, "What's going on? This is like a fucking teenager. Why do we why do we have to be so careful around her?" And they drive for a long time, which I'm gonna bring this up again later. But so no, they drive for a long time, and she decides, okay, I know how I'm going to play this. I have to pee. No. <laughs> I'm also menstruating. <laughs> Do you like piss and blood? We're going to have a mess in here. And the German lady is like, we're not supposed to stop. And Slim is like, eh, fuck it. And so they stop at a gas station and the German lady and Slim go into the bathroom with her and it takes five seconds. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally, she says five seconds for her to kill the german lady and get slim on the ground and be like you want to end up like the german lady no give me the fucking keys and he eventually gives her the keys and she's like you need to start answering my questions and the other people are like what's going on there boss something wrong we heard a noise and they have to bust their way out of the bathroom and she runs through the woods after getting like shot in the butt with an uzi or something Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. big little shootout the police start coming She gets Slim up one side of a mountain and down a mountain and then questions him and gets information where she's like, oh shit, I think, I think it's Yaksha. Mm -hmm. And she's like, all right, well, I've still got to fucking kill you. Boop. Kills him. Mm -hmm. Calls Seymour and is like, hello, I know you're awake. How do you know that? I'm psychic. Get your ass down here. 
this is not today. She's just like, I'm at Seaside, which is, I'm guessing, a town. And she's like, I'm at the corner of Blah and Blah. And he just knows how to go there. And I'm just like, you drove really far, so how does he know where you are? Well, so she says before that, because I, I was also like, how far did you get? And how did you get back? She, like, runs back to within reach of Seymour and then calls him for a ride. Okay, because I, I know she was like, I ran for what I thought was, like, six miles or something. Okay. But she's covered in fucking blood this whole time. Yeah, I was confused as to why she called him when she ran back anyway. I guess because she was just within sight of people, maybe. Maybe that's it. It it still felt a little contrived. So while we're waiting for Seymour to show up, let me tell you about Yaksha. Yaksha was a baby born to Sita's older best friend. Back 5,000 years ago, when a plague came through their village in India, and a Yakshini invaded her friend's body and then went into the, like, eight, nine months pregnant woman's child. And Sita and six men, one was her father, witnessed the birth of this after the Yakshini twisted the fucking head off the priest. And Sita was like, we should not let that baby come out. No, we should definitely kill that baby. Do a murder. (laughs) Please murder that child who is actually a demon. We all saw it. We all saw it. And they're like, well, but sometimes, you know, moms can die. And, you know, eight-year-old child. And uh, and then they can be born. And she's like, this is fucking different. My friend died at dawn. It is night. Sita's like, that body has been dead for like eight hours, man. You know that's bullshit. Yeah. Like, that is crap. So-and-so was born from his or her mom immediately after she died. So, like, she's like, yeah, you're saying when the mom dies in childbirth, the baby can still survive. This mom was not in childbirth. This mom was dead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love also the detail that, like, Sita is herself unusually wise for a child. So her father, like, takes her seriously, even though she's, like, eight and having yeah. this conversation with these adult men. It was... A moment that I'm like, you know, I I can't even imagine turning to your, like, eight-year-old child and being like, well, what do you think? Right. I did love, this was a scene that I loved, the moment where he gives her the knife and says, okay, if you fully believe that this child is evil and that we should not try to help it, you do it, no one will blame you. And she, like, hesitates, and not just hesitates, but, like, takes a moment to really think about it. And the dad is like, you see my dilemma. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you don't know for sure. You're pretty sure. I'm also pretty sure. (laughs) But you don't know. Well, they they talk about, like, it being karmically problematic. Because if they kill this child who is not a demon, then it could come back to hurt them, etc., etc. Yeah, like, I get it. That's a hard fucking choice. But we did all see that demon, though. (laughs) With his fucking tongue! Its tongue was, like, super long and licked the goddamn flesh off the priest's face. Like, no. Nothing good can come from this. Nah, that baby evil. Stab it. Right? Goodbye. But, you know, we know that's not gonna happen. So the baby is born and it goes to her aunt. And he grows up super fucking fast. So, like, when he's ten, he looks like her who is twenty. And it's just like... Ugh. He's a renesme? It's a renesme. Yeah, like, he grows up fast. (laughs) Not instantly, instantly, but twice as fast as he should and everybody is like treats him by the time he's like eight 
Like, ah, uh, yes, you are clearly going to be the village leader. And it's like, eight, guys. He's like seven, eight, nine, ten. And you're right. all like, you're so wise. Because so he looks like a teenager. Yeah. So uh, then I think when she's like 16 through 20, all of the dudes who were there who witnessed his birth start disappearing. Yes. One of their bodies shows up. And then one day her dad goes missing after he confronts Yaksha to be like, yo, you gotta fucking leave. They find like a tuft of his hair and Sita's sad, but then she gets married and she loves her husband Rama, which felt really tacked on. I I never believed in her love for him because he wasn't important, except in that like he existed. So we'll get to it when we talk about the Hindu stuff, but Sita and Rama are Hindu figures. Hmm. I'm glad you did your research. So, and then she has a kid, but they're only together for like a year before Yaksha shows up and is basically like, I loved you and you know I loved you and you've cheated on me because you've gotten married and have a kid. And she's like, the fuck you say? Cheated? Excuse me? (laughs) We had a very little interaction because I knew what you are. That was what I was a little confused about. She talks a couple of times about how she thought of him as a friend, like, oh, my old friend, but like, were they? Because I thought no. she was weary of him the entire time. She was. She was, like, super smart about it. There was a great line about, like, every time I saw him, he would have some small gift for me, and I hated to accept them because what if someday he wanted something of me? hmm Like, she knew. She was like, this guy is bad news. This kid is bad news. And then he fucking shows up and is like, all right, well, you're going to join me and be my fucking undead vampire bride, even though we don't use that word yet. Or... I'm going to kill you and your family. Yep. And I mean, this is kind of in a, a like an Ather Razika moment, right? She's like, well, who means more to you, uh, your brother or you? Or your sister. I think that's that's all we got before this point, that she becomes a vampire. Hooray. <laughs> Seymour shows up and they chat a little bit and it comes out that he's a writer. And I'm like, oh my God, it's Jessica. Because he's been having prophetic dreams. Uh, she changes in front of him, gets fully naked, and is, like, wiping herself off with a cloth, and Seymour is just like, this is fucking great! <laughs> right, and she does it on purpose. She's like, well, he came all the way out here. He can see some titty. <laughs> Literally says he deserves a show. <laughs> I want to talk about timeline here real briefly. Okay. She killed the dad. She worked to get into the school. She went to school. So it's been, like, say, say she killed the dad on Monday night, Tuesday morning. Tuesday, she set it all up. Wednesday, she's in school. It's Wednesday night. Now Seymour's picked her up at like five o'clock in the morning on Thursday. Mm-hmm. She met both of these dudes yesterday. She mm-hmm. hasn't even known them for 24 hours. She, she speaks about Ray, about how she loves him. She mm-hmm. talks about Seymour as a friend. I love the way she puts it too, because it's not even like, oh, I just love people so much that I make friends. She's like, no, I'm just impatient and I want things to be the way I want them. So Seymour is my friend and I'm in love with Ray. Bam. Yeah. I'm going to believe you. (laughs) But it is you're telling me this is how you are. And I appreciate that. But like these 17, 18 year old boys just met you. Yep. It's been at the very most 48 hours. Oh, yeah. By the end of the book. Yeah. Yeah. But by the time Seymour is driving an hour away to pick you up covered in blood with a change of clothes, he met you this afternoon doing archery. Mm -hmm. And then four o'clock. Could you imagine meeting someone? And then like they call your house. You never gave them your phone number, but it's the 90s. So there's like phone books. 
But still, you never told them your number. You didn't tell them where you live. You probably didn't even tell them your fucking last name. It's contrived for sure, but like, Pika does backflips to so much make this justifiable because not only is, I mean, obviously, like, Sita's a hot lady and Seymour is a sad nerd who is also dying. And, and this lady's like her. being real nice to him and stuff. And he also makes Seymour psychic. Like, he's having dreams of her. He's having yeah. prophetic visions of her. Like, they have a connection. Right. It's still fucking wild to me because <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, I'm having a dream about you. And then you call. And this is just weird. Like, I wish we had ever, ever seen Seymour and Ray interact because we're told, oh, it turns out they're friends. Like, if this book had another hundred pages, it could have been fleshed out a lot more. But it's a pulp book, so whatever. Yeah, and there's no time for any of this. Yeah, there isn't. There's no time. <laughs> so he picks her up, he drops her off. She she goes to Ray's house. Pat's there. So sometime between when her and Ray got back a couple hours ago, Pat called and came over. So like, I liked Pat until she was a super clingy girlfriend because I'm sorry, fuck you. Your boyfriend didn't answer after he said he was just going to go home at 10 o'clock and you got upset and you fucking hunted him back down. Like, Pat took a weird turn and it feels like the author's choice, not Pat's choice. It's a weird situation, too, because when Sita comes to pick him up, Ray is like, no, I'm not going with you. Pat, go up to bed, my bed at my house, and I'll join you. And then Sita eventually convinces him to come with her and he has to go upstairs and like comfort a crying Pat. And I'm like, they're acting like they're they're like a couple who's been married for like 30 years. Like, what the it, fuck is this? I, th- I think you could have combined Pat and Seymour, honestly. Oh, that would have been nice. Yeah, like because there were so few women characters, there was Pat, Sita, random German lady, Amba, who is the mother of Yaksha, who we only see dead. Radha, who is Krishna's consort, and then I can't, like, Majit? I don't know, some some woman that was Sita's first vampire change, mm-hmm. but we never see anything, we just hear her name. She's, like, mentioned in two lines. Yeah, that's it. German lady doesn't get a name, she gets killed first and not slim. Pat is only there to be sad. Anna's <laughs> already dead. Rada is there to be, like, ethereal and beautiful, and I'm just calling her Mochi, uh, is there to have been mentioned and then die. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, like, this book does a terrible job for women and does not pass the Bechdel, even though Rada and uh, Sita have a conversation. So if you combined Pat and Seymour, then you wouldn't have a crying Pat, necessarily, because Sita would be like, I also care for Pat like a child, and... While that would still be a little infantilizing of the Mm. woman, at least Pat could be like, I was having dreams about you and I'm so worried about all this blah, 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 blah. You know, Mm -hmm. anything like that. Any kind of substantial role would have been cool. Yeah. So uh, something that was established pretty quickly on Teen Creeps uh, as they were going through Pike's book is that from their estimation, Pike always has a surrogate character. And it's usually the like shy, quiet, nerdy beta Uh. guy. Yeah, I was going to actually chat about how um, shy, nerdy writer of sci-fi and horror. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is almost certainly, like, Pike's insert character here for Seymour, which, I, if you know the rest of this series, would be very certainly true. 
So now I get to mention the fact that uh, I'm pretty sure I read Red Dice once. Mm-hmm. I didn't steal that book, though, so I never read it again. So I don't remember <laughs> anything about it. It's also, like, the third of six books. Yep. I think I just, like, borrowed it and returned it and because it was just whatever was there. I've never read the rest of the series. That's wild to me. I know. I'd grown up, I think, thinking there were only three books. Wow. Yeah, and there's like six. When I was first getting into Christopher Pike, my school just had a bunch of his shit all together, and I'm pretty sure they had like every single last vampire. So I well, got to go through them. As I read this one, it like had come out not long before. Mm, that's true. I didn't know there would be more. You were reading them at the time. Yes. Yes, I was. So, yeah, maybe next year we'll read the second one. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll talk to you again about the last one in six years. Six years, children, have fun. Oh, that's not even the last one, too, because he started writing them again uh, after the the bind-ups came out. (gasps) How many fucking books are there in this series? Let's find out. I see. So there's Last Vampire, Black Blood, Red Dice, Phantom. Evil Thirst, Creatures of Forever, The Eternal Dawn, Shadow of Death, The Sacred Veil. Okay, so yeah, Eternal Dawn, Shadow of Death, and Sacred Veil are all after the original series. There are nine fucking books in this series. And the books published after sixth one, yeah, after the sixth one, go up to 500 pages each. What? We're not reading this. Uh, But I want to. I want to know. Well, I mean, maybe, maybe, you know, 10 years from now, we'll get to it. (laughs) I do want to know, too, because holy shit. Dude, that is the most interesting part of some of this for me is that, like, there was a period there where books that were popular when I was a kid were getting sequels for adults in the like thousands so like christopher pike did it meg cabot did it like a bunch of people wrote sequels to their series because they were getting reprints and i'm so curious and the fact that there's three of them like that it wasn't just oh yeah you know i'd love to wrap this up in a more adult book fashion let's go I need to know. I need to, especially because the original series ends in a way that absolutely precludes sequels. Okay. Okay. Well, then, you know, maybe we'll have to get to the next Last Vampire book sooner than October. <laughs> we will see. We'll just do this one series out of order. This is our, this is our out of order backlist. Well, this is, this is a fun experiment, too, because we can go from Christopher Pike in 1994 to Christopher Pike in 2012. 20, yeah, because it looks like the last one was published in 2013, so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Alright, where were we? Ray, Pat, poor Pat, she's never seen again in this book. And Sita takes Ray to her house for safekeeping, and they fuck. They definitely, definitely fuck. And then she makes him go to sleep, and she thinks about Krishna. The whole point of the Krishna stuff is that if she doesn't make another vampire, she will have his grace. He will protect her. She will have his grace. I think it suggests basically that, like, were she to die, she would go to heaven or whatever the equivalent would be in her culture. I think it would be reborn, yeah? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Even though she continues to kill people, all she has to do is not make (laughs) another evil vampire. I love that. I love how frank she is about that and how that's... Something that happens even while she's trying to be a good vampire. She's just like, I kill. I'm weak. I can't not kill. Sorry. Mm-hmm. If you can't accept me at my worst, you know. I'm gonna kill you. 
But I do feel like that is a failing of Sita that the book is, we're meant to take as a failing of Sita is that she cannot kill people. Yeah. And, and I appreciate that she's not like, oh, I should drink the blood of animals. She's like, I fucking tried. Okay. <laughs> I hate it. It's gross. It's, it's just weak fucking blood. He didn't tell me not to kill anybody. He just said, don't make more evil. Yep. She's like, not even a loophole. Just right? didn't say anything about it. He knew that I am what I am and was like, all right, scorpion, you're going to sting. So how about just don't make more scorpions? Okay. Yep. And he spares Yaksha's life and tells Yaksha something as well, which is if you pull a fucking cane and you kill all of your vampire progeny, then you have removed all the evil and you shall have my grace when you die as well. Mm-hmm. And like that we find out... Uh, Yaksha did not get called by the priest into Amba's body. He came here of his own volition. He wanted to meet Krishna. There was a line in her remembering about this is the moment I was born for. And so like he knew Krishna was here or was going to be here. So it, it does tie itself in. Okay. But anyway, in in the meantime, he's gonna have to kill her. And like he has watched her and recognizes that I know what he has told you, because in all of these years, you've never made another vampire, so you still have his grace, so I can't fucking kill you. Right, because Sita does that thing where she's like, well, he told me this, and he told you this, and aren't those conflicting things? You can't kill me. Mm -mm. Immunity. He's like, it's true. If I kill you, I will have killed something that he blessed. So therefore, I'm gonna have to have you break your fucking promise. It's a real baller move. It is. Like, because she could be like, tough. <laughs> right? She could just be like, no. I'm not going to do it. And this is where the timeline, I'm just like, I suspend my disbelief for you, novel. Because, again, it is... So she has him fall asleep in the morning of, let's say, Thursday. And he wakes up later in the day. So now it's like Thursday night. Yaksha does this thing. He tells her all that stuff. And he, like, has... Ray have a bad fall where he's basically like, he gone die. And she has known this kid for slightly more than 24 hours. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you're like, I love you. And do you want to be a vampire? And I was like, this is fucking stupid, but okay. Right. Well, she, she tells, she tells herself, she's like, I can't watch my husband die again. Die again. It's like, but you didn't watch him die in the first place. She's like, I can't lose him again. It's like, and this is where Rama was not developed enough for me to believe this for a minute. Sure. And that he's like, you love this boy. And it's like, I've been watching you very much over the past three days. And I'm like, you even mentioned that you've only been watching her for three <laughs> days since she killed the father of this boy. And you're like, you love him. And I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> So I hate it. I hate that part so fucking much. Uh, but anyway, she decides she will, in fact, break her word. She will no longer have his grace. She changes him because she loves him and she will not let him die. Ooh, gnarly note about the way that they change one another. Yeah. It's not like you bite me and take my blood. I bite you and take your blood. No. no. She literally has to pop a vein out her arm, pop a vein out his arm, and, like, stitch them together. Just tie that yeah. knot. You gotta, like, hold your veins together. Which it's is, gross. It is gross. It's very... That's, like, the most fucking gory way I've ever seen to become a vampire. 
right? It's like, here, I'm going to slit open this part of my body, this part of your body. We're going to hold that shit together. Yep. Give me some tape. Gross. <laughs> but she does it and he falls asleep and Yaksha says he'll come back, I think, in the morning. Yeah. So while Ray is asleep and turning into a vampire, she goes and she visits Seymour and he's like, oh, I'm so glad to see you. I've been writing about you all day. And she's like, yo, kid, what up? You are definitely prophetic and I'm a vampire. And he's like, holy shit, that's great. And this was another scene that I'm just like, I do not for a minute fucking believe it. Because he just instantly accepts it. And I'm like, I, I wish they had more time together. <laughs> I wish it wasn't just... I met this girl in archery, and then we had some connection. And then at four o'clock in the fucking morning, I have to go drive an hour to pick her up bloodied. And she just strips naked, and then I take her to get her car, and that's it. And then I don't see her. She doesn't come to school. But then she shows up at my house at, like, ten o'clock at night and tells me she's a vampire. <laughs> I love the way that this plays out functionally, though, because she's basically going... Hello, um, Mr. Writer of my story, sir. Uh, yeah. How do I resolve this plot point? <laughs> She's like, this is what's going on. And he's like, well, you're going to have to make it look like you both die. She's like, great, perfect, let's do that. I'm going to build a bomb. And this is where I forgot. I remembered that she came to Seymour because she wanted to heal him of his AIDS. Yes. You know, he mentions, yeah, I've got HIV. He's got like a year to live, according to her. And she's like, I want to give you some of my blood. It will heal you. And he's like, will that work? She's like, I don't fucking know, but maybe. He's like, all right, worst case scenario, I die. And that's going to happen anyway. So let's give it a try. And she gives it to him and she waits a little bit. And she's like, I can tell that the disease is gone now. And I'm like, that's great. Can you just like go heal everybody of AIDS? Right, right, but right. Well, Sita never would. She doesn't care. She does not care. and it, But it just makes me super mad. But anyway, she heals this writer because he's going to write her fucking story. And she's like, let's build a bomb. But like I said, that's the last thing I remembered was that she gave her blood to Seymour. And so I was reading this book and I'm like, oh shit, she changed Ray. Oh my God, I thought she changed Seymour. Oh, okay. So she healed him. What the fuck? Oh my God, you're building a bomb. I did not remember the bomb. I This bomb is so wonderful. It comes out of left field. It comes with a page and a half of exposition about why it's definitely going to work. Our skulls will be crushed, but we can heal from it. <laughs> and I know. And it comes with Sita having just this acquired knowledge of welding, of bomb design, of yeah. astrophysics. Like, yeah, she mentions NASA. <laughs> it's just, it's so wonderful. It's so delightfully stupid. And it's it's just, it's a real curveball, man. I did not remember. <laughs> this is the only thing that I took from my last reread like 10 years ago. I was like, oh, fuck. I thought that they actually did it. That they did, in fact, ejecto seat themselves from that bomb. <laughs> nope. Yaksha is like, I see through you. I'm like, so this was all pointless. <laughs> I know. I know. I love it. I love it. It's such a last minute diversion and they don't even use it. Which I loved. And I think that's why I never remembered it. Because it's meaningless. It is absolutely meaningless. So... Well, the two of them talk, her and Yaksha, once he gets there, and, and he, you know, he's like, all right, you're going to stop doing what you're doing. And she's like, fuck, he sees right through my plan. <laughs> and he's like, you need to tell me what Krishna told you. And she's like, no. And he's like, you got to fucking tell me right now. And he's like, ah, I don't want to. <laughs> I love that, too. And it's like, I don't want to tell you, not for any particular reason, except that I fucking hate you. <laughs> Such a good line, too. 
Because <laughs> she's just like, because I hate you. Because you took everything from me. And he's like, oh, shit. You have always had Krishna's blessing because, or grace, because the only reason you became a vampire, it wasn't because you loved me. I've always known that. It was because you wanted to save your husband and your child, your daughter. And the only reason you turned this boy into a vampire is because you loved him and he reminded you of your husband. You've never broken your promise because Krishna said, wherever there is love, there is my grace. Fuck, just leave. I'll blow up all alone. (laughs) I think it's a a decent resolution. Like, I don't feel like it feels too cheaty. I I appreciate that she is now no longer like a super damned creature because she changed Ray. I do, like I said, look at the fact that it is now, let's say, Friday morning and she met him (laughs) on Wednesday morning. So it's been 48 hours, like you said. Mm -hmm. Half of which... Was him turning into a vampire? It's, it's <laughs> I can't. But I do like the way that it's like, where there is love, you're still fine. And the Yaksha's like, well, I guess I've killed everything that was evil and I could have killed myself like a long ass time ago. Right, because Yaksha tells her that he, he's been waiting centuries to kill her. Like he got down a while ago and he just couldn't kill her because he loves her. Yeah, it was like, you are very beautiful, and it made me feel Ugh. good to know there was beauty out there. And I'm just like, every time anyone's like, and I met so-and-so, and they were the most beautiful, or the most kind, or the most this, and in 5,000 years, I've never met their equal. I'm like, are you meeting enough people? Right, also, like, I don't want to get gender essentialist, but that's such a dude thing to say. Like, yeah. I, and it could be like Yaksha himself, who who never valued Sita for anything more than her looks. But the idea mm-hmm. that like, oh, just the idea that you were out there living your best life brought warmth to my heart. No, it's your fucking hotness strolling this earth. That's what brought warmth to my heart. Whenever I like caught a glimpse of you in the past 5,000 years, I was like, nah, I can't. She's too pretty. <laughs> that ass though. Mm. <laughs> Even with a bullet in it. I <laughs> uh, just can't. Ooh, next time. Another century. <laughs> yeah. Next time, next time, next, next time. time. And, and like, I get that he definitely was trying to figure out what Krishna said to her because he knew what Krishna said to him. And mm-hmm. clearly she wasn't out there also helping him kill vampires. Right. So like he did need to figure out what Krishna told her so that he didn't fuck up and kill her while she had Krishna's grace. Right. And that's an interesting like last minute thing that he's he's parsing with her in that moment where he's like what do you tell you tell me before we blow up and i fuck up like what do you tell you what do you tell you i don't want to fuck up on this okay we we have literally minutes we have started the timer and that that is good and i appreciate too that like he probably figured it out many many thousands of years ago but he probably was hoping she would like fuck up and she just didn't and didn't and didn't yeah no she was doing she was keeping her promise yeah um, also, can we talk about just briefly how mm-hmm. much Yaksha love bomb? <laughs> so, so like Sita sits him down to her house and her whole plan is that she's going to like make it look like they're going to blow up. But then her and Ray are going to blow up upward. So they're not going to actually blow up. They're just going to like shoot through the fucking roof <laughs> and crush their skulls and probably survive. Okay. Yeah, they're fine. So she's like, Yaksha, sit down. Can I choose how we die? And he's like, we're going to explode? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, hell yeah, I love me some bombs. (laughs) I love bombs. (laughs) He does. He literally says, I love bombs. And I'm like, what is your life, sir? 
right? He's so interesting because he's so fucking tired. It's so interesting because he is the antagonist of this book and he is absolutely threatening to kill her and has killed this kid so that he can kill her. But he doesn't do anything except for hire someone to check in on her and see, you know, check for violent deaths. And probably he's also checking for like, oh, okay, so that person died. Oh, but the body showed up. All Mm -hmm. right, she didn't turn them into a vampire. And he hired some people to bring her to him. But then he just, the only time we actually see him, he's just standing on like the ocean. And he's like, hey, I'm tired and I want to end this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It feels like a very Christopher Pike thing. Yeah. For the antagonist to just be like a soft antagonist, like um, the way that dude was in the one that we read. The kid who was also dying. Oh, yeah. Chain letter? Yeah, chain letter. Yeah. Oh, that one was really good. I I was surprised because... The characters were so gentle with the antagonists. They were like, mm-hmm. let us just help you. And I was like, holy shit. And it was good because there was like dudes helping dudes. And it was just great. Mm-hmm. You can tell that like Yaksha could absolutely fucking just murder her. And I am scared for her. You know, like she does have to come up with these plans. But mm-hmm. ultimately, he's just like, okay, good. I can die okay now. Right. I just want to go to sleep, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. He fucking explodes. Yeah. However... That's not, like, right off until the sunset, everything's good. Sita has a fucking shard of wood through her heart. A stake may kill me. May kill me? I don't know. I have not experimented. And Ray tries to, like, take the stake out, but half of it snaps off. And it ends with her being like, I love you, and him being like, I love you. And her, so much love, I think, as I close my eyes and the pain recedes. There must be so much grace, so much protection for me if Krishna meant what he said. Of course I believe he meant it. I do believe in miracles. I wonder if I will die after all. To be continued. Yes, it's to be continued. But that was that was the end of the book for me. Maybe she'll die. Maybe mm-hmm. she won't. I decide. <laughs> it's a choose your own adventure. Except that I know that there are more books. And that's it. That is The Last Vampire. We touched on a couple stuff, but we're going to touch on more now. Uh Uh-huh, let's touch it. Hands all over it. Let me look at my notes. I mentioned before that I was like, what? That I read this in middle school because this book is so fucking sexual. Mm Mm-hmm. Sita is sexy and Sita has sex and the characters are open and frank about these things. Like, she's like, Ray, do you want to make love to me? And he's like, yeah, I do. And so, like, there's a lot of nudity. She's naked, like, three Mm -hmm. different times. And she just has sex. Like, she talks about, you know, as we mentioned, that, like, I have had men and women lovers. You know, whatever. It's 94. Pike didn't know about non-binary people. But whatever. Also, Sita is just like, it's cool. I I guarantee Sita has had sex with all kinds of people of all kinds of genders. And that's fucking refreshing because I just can't imagine a vampire who didn't at least try sex with other genders. Right. Living for that long. Like, maybe they decided, nah, not for me, but... Straight immortals are bullshit. Right? So, yeah, surprised at how sexual this book is. I was annoyed by that aspect in terms of how male-gazy it was. Yeah. Like, even with Sita being a female character, she does that men writing female characters things where she talks about her boobs a lot. And she calls them females a lot, too. Fucking Ferengi. She <laughs> She's really, she herself is is very male-gazy. There's a scene where she undresses in front of Pat, and Pat's, like, looking her up and down nakedly. And I'm like, all right, 
this girl just met you. You're in like the locker room together. I don't think. I don't think girls do that. I don't think they just check each other think, out I in think, a non-gay way. Yeah, uh, mostly like you just kind of I don't want to look at all because right? what if you know it gets mistaken? What if what if you do like this person? It would have been great if Pat and Seymour were combined and Pat was still Pat, but like that Cena was like, oh shit, I like both of them. <laughs> of course, that's always a solution. Polyamory, but this is less polyamory in this one. But still, if Pat was like, I'm sad that you're going off with her mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I think she's the prettiest person I've ever met. <laughs> right? Because Pat's uh, assessment is specifically not sexual. I think they mentioned that it's not in a check you out way. She just looks at yeah, her naked well, body. But like, no homo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No homo, no homo. But it's just, it's just, it's just obnoxious. It's like, yeah. do we have to? Mm-hmm. We had to, apparently. Yeah. Oh, my next note, how fucking stilted the dialogue is. It's not just the dialogue. The writing it's is It's not awful. just the dialogue, but the dialogue was pulling me absolutely out. I mean, it was basically like two steps away from, as you know. <laughs> also, nobody uses contractions. Which is usually my complaint with stilted dialogue. Mm-hmm. Like, I could understand. I could not understand. But I could let it pass if Sita didn't. But none of these none of these kids feel like kids. Nope. Everyone has the same voice. Yes. Yaksha's voice is Sita's voice, is Ray's voice, is Seymour's voice. Yes. That is a number one problem. Mm-hmm. The writing is just, like... So it's weird to me, because there are ever really nice lines. Yes. But for the most part... No. <laughs> yeah, like that, that was my thing too. It's like there's some good lines, there's some good turns of phrases, there's some good like character stuff, but on a on an overall basis, the writing is fucking awful. Uh mm-hmm. towards the back half of the book, and it may have been the first half of the book too, and I just didn't notice, but there are multiple times where he'll be like, But this, this, this is this, however, this, this, this is this. And they'll, he'll, like, end a sentence with but and start a sentence with but and have but or however in the same two lines. It's like, dude, you can't do that. You can't. Yeah, like, you can use it sparingly. Right. I know it's something, like, I go through with my own writing and look for the but and sentences and see if I can change it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like definitely the first half of the book was more melodic because... It was doing a lot of establishing. It was doing a lot of, like, I don't know, it just felt prettier, even though it was dealing with, like, other stuff. The last half was very mechanical. Mm. Yeah, I I noticed my thing mostly in the flashbacks where he was trying to dump a lot of information on us. Holy shit, yeah. That being said, I will take that first chapter every time and just want to set this book aflame. Uh, <laughs> but I love, I love the scene with the detective dad. But, like, the opening. It, it's really awful. It's like when you start a book just wherever, just to get the book going, but then you never yeah. go back to fix it. Yeah. Like, page three, bottom of page three, where, like, her standing outside Detective Michael Riley's office. Mm-hmm. I don't fucking start it there. Because the first couple pages, like, page one's half a page. All of page two and the majority of page three, you just don't fucking need it. Nope. Like, put that shit within yes. chapter one and chapter two. Put it in. But, but you just start out with, I'm a vampire and I do not need these things. 
That being said, I one thing that I super do appreciate about this book and the series as it goes on is that Sita is maybe the only vampire, at least in YA that I've read about, that feels like a 5,000-year-old murder machine. Mm, I can dig it. Because she is. She, she is. will murder you. She'll murder you. And her her thought patterns feel very alien to me in a yeah. way that a lot of other vampires don't. Like, a lot of other vampires just feel like people. Sita feels like somebody who is 100% herself, and herself is a murder monster. Yeah, like, the stilted... Because it's all in her first person present, mm-hmm. whenever there's stilted prose, it's still technically, like, internal dialogue. Right. And that works for her, even if I'm sitting here going, oh my god, I hate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How bad this writing is. Because it is a choice, you know, like, you are choosing to not give a fuck. Mm -hmm. And while it ends up sounding like this is your character and how she talks, and like I said, makes her feel very alien, it can also make some areas like, oh my god, I wish I could skim this, but what if there's something? Right, what if there's something important? There are a lot of parts of this book that is just writing without dialogue. Yeah. And you can't can't skim it, because that's all stuff. There could be important information, and sometimes there is, so they're like, fuck, now there was, so I've proven to myself I can't skim it. Yeah. I think I remember enjoying parts of the, I want to say the third book, more in the way that it's Sita being a murder machine. So I hopefully this is just, well, hopefully, as if if it's going to have any impact on my life in the near future. But (laughs) I would hope. Or expect that this is just getting into the character in the first book and that the later ones are less shitty. But we'll see. Who knows? So the only other... I have two notes and one's going to lead into the final one. But the the other thing that I wanted to mention is I was so tempted when I was starting this book to just really actually start making her a character sheet for Vampire the Master. Oh, yeah? Because she has, like celerity and protean and she's definitely using presence Mm -hmm. because she talks about how time slows down for me but for everyone else i am a blur and i'm like you have definitely popped like celerity five right there (laughs) yes so it would be fun someday maybe i'll do it in october when this is coming out uh to actually sit down with one of my my printouts and just like make sita the vampire oh i would love that (laughs) i would love to see that she is Yep, she has to, I know we talk about Amy's vampires being super OP, and I still think that they are because they can teleport, and that's a game-breaking ability, but... It is. Teleportation is absolutely... <laughs> but Sita has so many dots and so many different things that she specifically mentions. Right? She, oh, she also has aspects because of her, like, incredible ability to see shit and heightened senses mm-hmm. and whatnot. Like, she at least has one or two dots of it. Right, and she's her ability to take in the stuff that's happening around her to such a degree that she can hear people getting out of cars like three blocks away. Like that's and she does mention too that she's like, I turn that on, which means you're absolutely using it because ah, yes. I, as we discussed in when we were doing forests, like if you just have it passive, that sucks. You can't leave your house. <laughs> you need to live in a like sensory deprivation tank. Right, bottom of the ocean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I did like that. I was kept waiting for them to mention her super sense of smell, and it only came up, like, once. I know, because she has to turn it on. (laughs) All right. Mm -hmm. So, you did a lot of research, and the only only note I actually have before we talk about the stuff that you sent me some research on Mm -hmm. is the ways in which 
oh my god, white people are the prettiest. <laughs> Everyone in this story, if they're white, they're better. Mm-hmm. Um, she's from India, but she's blue-eyed and blonde-haired. And her friend Amba is specifically mentioned as like, oh, she definitely had a grandfather who was natively Indian. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we meet Radha, she's very pale and beautiful. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be pretty in this book, probably this series, you must be white passing, I guess. Lightest you must skin be hiding your, your status as a person of color because that's the prettiest. Yes. All right. So uh, do you want to... We want to drop some content warnings because listen yeah we didn't want to go here but we have to yeah it, it, it's time we're about to talk about some stuff that neither of us are experts in mm-hmm. we're going to mention some myths about history we don't know what's real and what's not yeah that's probably my big thing is that we didn't have a lot of time to do research we but we had to Thank you, Christopher Pike. Um, Christopher Pike. We had to do some research that is difficult to do because the internet is full of Nazis. There are things that we may discuss that may be, finger quotes, controversial. I don't actually know if they're controversial. They could be controversial the way that the moon landing is fucking controversial because the internet. Yeah, we do not know. But we're going to talk about the fact that these things exist. You may know better than us. We are certainly, I'm trying not to steer too far out of our lane, but. We got to at least mention that the lanes exist, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. We we have to be like, hey, this is stuff that, you know, the history to the victor, history to the conqueror, history to the colonizers, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, so a lot of this shit that we're going to talk about is, we don't know. We are not from the area. We do not have all of the knowledge. This came up fucking randomly because words got used that should not have been used. And you took a deep dive for one night because we started reading these books two days ago. So that's not a lot of time. No. So yeah, content warning, mentions of Nazi Germany. Propaganda, racism, etc. Colorism. Yeah, all, all that stuff. So. So. We all know that Sita is a blonde Indian lady. I feel like that's probably the most notorious thing about this book in general. What I didn't realize is that Sita is specifically Aryan. Yeah, it gets mentioned in like the beginning of chapter three, if I recall correctly. Yeah. During her first flashback, it's one of the very first things that comes up because they have to explain how blonde haired, blue eyed Sita originated in India. Yep. It is the first sentence. We were the original Aryans, blonde and blue-eyed. We invaded India before there were calendars, like a swarm of hornets in search of warmer climates. We brought sharp swords and spilled much blood. But in 3000 BC, when I was born, we were still there, no longer enemies, a part of a culture that was capable of absorbing every invader and making him a brother. You guys, why? Why did we have to do this? I mean, I know why, because... You want to have a white protagonist, I guess. I have questions about whether this was something that, like, an Indian, uh, a woman who looks Indian, who could be Indian on the cover of a book, and even that's, Indians look lots of different ways. It's hard to discuss. But 
I wonder if that was something that just wasn't allowed from the publisher, if this was actually a choice Spike made. Sure. I mean, we, uh, as we discussed, you know, like uh, the publishing company did often make him change, so he says, the race of his characters when he brought them forward. And if Sita was a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Indian woman on this cover where she didn't look at first glance as just a white woman, there's there's problems too with that. Right. But he invoked the word Aryan. So I, who obviously am not a history anything, went into to see like, okay, well, I know how I know the word Aryan. Is that Mm -hmm. what we're invoking here? So again, controversial, maybe finger quotes, I don't know, topic. But the idea is that there was a group of people who were called Aryans who migrated into uh, northern India. And this was appropriated by European colonists who could not fathom the idea that brown people could think of things, writings that were not in some way spawned by white people. So that the idea of Aryans as white folks was something that was propagated through like colonization times through the British um, and and other Europeans. Where the thing that you sent me, it sounded like maybe the Aryans were Iranian? Well, no, that's literally it, though. So like the word Aryan is it's Iran. Like yeah. the, the people who came through to India, if they did in fact come through to India, again, controversial, would have been Iranian. <laughs> they would have looked like Iranian people. Not blonde, not blue-eyed. <laughs> but because of the idea of white people coming into India um, was something that was so popular. Super appealing to the shitty British. Yeah, because of the British and other European people, then it became the idea that not only were the European, the Germans, uh, Hitler specifically, <laughs> appropriated this myth, like this literally Nazi propaganda, the Aryans are blonde haired and blue eyed and like the master race and the original like people, like the idea of Sita being a blue eyed, blonde haired woman because she is Aryan, is literally Nazi propaganda, which is, it's so tiring. (laughs) So when you messaged me about this, we chatted, and it's just like, this character is what she is, because when you roll it all back, Nazi propaganda. Like, Mm -hmm. Pike probably didn't intend that, probably didn't mean to flag that. White people get told a lot of things and just go, okay, cool, but here we are, here's a light-skinned blonde hair, blue-eyed Indian woman protagonist. <laughs> and and there are screen caps from up from ten years ago, granted, ten years, uh, where Pike defended this because of the the myth of, of Aryans being blonde haired and blue eyed and that being historical fact, but it's it's not. And I feel like by nineteen ninety four we probably all knew that it wasn't fact. Yeah. But it still ended up in this book. It, it's just, it's literally Nazi propaganda, which is something I did not really expect to find out about this book. Right. That it's like, it didn't, it's probably not intending to be, but it is following in a pattern. But it is. Perpetuates that. <laughs> yep. It just is. So that's fun. And this brings up a thing too, where like, 
writers are not necessarily going to be able to do all of the research for all of the things. And especially not for a little pulpy vampire book for middle school and high schoolers, right? Mm, but you can research astrophysics for from yeah. NASA. Well, but we don't know. I'm not an astrophysicist. Maybe there's some weird shit there. Maybe it was just an article that the author read. Like, a lot of the information that you see in these kinds of books feels like the author did a quick Google search. Like, I write, and maybe I'll spend an evening researching for one fucking line. Mm -hmm. But even then, I have to just take what I find at face value. I'll cross-reference a couple of things, but if it seems like, yeah, this is coming up, okay, therefore it's true. If I were to be researching, you know, what you researched about the the theory, the myth of uh, invasion slash migration, who knows, I wouldn't have been able to find any good information. Mm -hmm. I would have just been like, okay, this is a thing. And while there is the sense of all right, I'm going to have to not pass it, obviously, but be like, it's a thing and it happened and it's there and it's in this book. I read this as a kid. I took this information as must be fact. You know, like I didn't sit here going, and then they came in and they came and they brought all this stuff because that wasn't the part I absorbed about this book. <laughs> like I did not absorb why Sita was blonde and blue eyed. I honestly thought he made it up. Because <laughs> I was in middle school, so I'm like, sure, I believe you, because clearly this is bullshit uh, made up for this book. But what about the people who don't? And what about when you come across that sort of thing in a book and you absorb it and now you're perpetuating continuous false information that mm -hmm. is or can be harmful to entire cultures? Yep. It's in a shitty little vampire book and there it is. Like, it's, it permeates everything. Right. And that's, I'm sure it's difficult for like Hindu or Indian folks who may chance upon this book <laughs> to yeah. see the heroine is a product of your culture, but also the product of propaganda. Yeah, of stuff that is specifically made to discredit and dehumanize your culture, your ancestors, their accomplishments, to say, nah, there's no way you did that. Mm -hmm. It must have been us smart white northerners. Mm-hmm. Like, it's gross, and there's a lot in this world and in fiction that continues to colonize our minds, essentially. Right, and I mean, that's that's not even brushing on the practice of Pike pulling this stuff for his vampire book in the first place. Right, like, we discussed the fact, uh, in the content warnings, that it's like, we need to discuss that there are lanes, and this was not his lane. No. He should not have gone there, and I'm sure he would defend it, <laughs> but it's like, end of the day, you're a white dude. And and you ended up with, like, Nazi stuff in your book, so you fucked up. Right? And, like, it makes me nervous for the other books. What other subtle but overt, if you know to look for it, bullshit's in there? Well, and I mean, this is just something where I am hesitant to read and or discuss Christopher Pike's books, because I know this comes up a lot. Yeah, uh, when you and I were discussing the ones that we had, like I said, um, there was another one that was very inspiring for me because it kind of had shape-shifting, but not really. But like, it got me interested in shape-shifters, but uh, it was real fucking racist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I would love to be able to discuss that book, but I don't feel confident in my own knowledge nor in my ability to sensitively discuss the intense racism in that book. 
Right. Um, And I know for a lot of people, for myself included, Christopher Pike was the first place where I was exposed to a lot of other religions. And Mm -hmm. that's not good because I shouldn't have come across (laughs) them through a white pulp writer. But I know that this was a lot of people's introduction to that and to a lot of people that means that means a lot to them, which is fine. But also he done it not good. So like if, if these are books that you love if these are stories that are nostalgia reads for you that's absolutely fine but it's really important that we look at and acknowledge the fact that there is stuff we need to continue to dissect there is stuff we need to continue to eject from our understanding you and i talk a lot about problematic media mm-hmm. and just because we talk about it and talk about its problems doesn't mean you, you shouldn't enjoy it. It just means fucking look at it. Yeah. Critical consumption is important. That's my favorite way. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wish there were more resources as far as people who are actually Indian or Hindu going through these books. There's kind of a shocking lack of it. Yeah. I guess these books just don't warrant that kind of discussion (laughs) i mean there is that right uh which is fair except for again the fact that they were hugely popular among kids well yeah and then you know he did write three more in the Mm -hmm. late teens so yeah that there are nine of these books yeah so um if i find anything i will throw them up in the show notes as far as i know there's literally only one so and if you have any please god give them to me i want to see what people are saying about these books because i want to know how to better parse them yes absolutely like it would be super great to know that there was an essay out there Mm -hmm. that we could look at and go okay i have learned more and i understand this better because Mm -hmm. right now i don't know what to do with it nope i mean i know what to do with it i know well fucking throw it in the trash um but uh yeah no i i would love to see those kinds of of articles and essays should anybody be able to provide them give me knowledge i want it i want it i really do that is the more fascinating part of conversations about this kind of media you know a lot of people will be like well if you don't like it don't read it it's like i didn't say that (laughs) It's, I want to know more. I want to know how this happened. I want to know why we think these things and how to get rid of it and how to talk about it to my fellow people who have also heard it. So let's Mm -hmm. go. Yep. I half wish that this would get adapted somehow because then the think pieces would roll in. Oh, holy shit, right? Yeah, I know there were talks uh, about half a decade ago i think i remember us hearing about it yeah like a tv show yeah but i don't think there was ever any emotion on that front and as we should all know by now the team behind the haunting of hill house is doing an adaptation of the midnight club yes yes which is going to integrate other christopher pike stories i doubt the last vampire would be in there just because that seems like something that they wouldn't want to surrender the rights to be folded into another series yeah because it's its own big thing but um i hope that when that does happen that we'll see more people discussing pike's stuff a little more critically yeah, maybe maybe we'll get someone being like, so Midnight Club and I super enjoy it and it made me go back and look at this one and holy shit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would love to see it. So fingers crossed that more people who have better understanding of this stuff, like maybe uh, people who have studied it. <laughs> like, maybe uh, people who have lived it. 
Yeah. Okay. So, with the content warning aside, would uh-huh. you recommend this book to someone? Ugh, oh, that's such a tough question, Ollie. I don't know. I know. I, I know. don't I don't think so. I think that it's it's obviously uh classic, iconic, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I don't think though if you haven't read it that you're missing anything in your life by not reading it. Mhm. Mm-hmm. I think that Sita is a fun character in moments <laughs> <laughs> when her mood strikes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 26 years later, this book is not relevant. Sure, that that's good. Yes. I was talking to a friend because they know that uh, the last book we read, I was like, hey, I'm going to be podcasting today, so I can't work on XYZ. And they were like, oh, I hope you have fun. I'm like, I will not because it is awful and I hate it. (laughs) And so today when I was like, yeah, I'm going to be podcasting, but, you know, I should be done by blah time. And they were like, okay, well, have have fun. And I'm like, I will. You know, this is a a nostalgia read for me. Um, I've got a lot of memories attached to it. But at no point. And I noticed this when I said it. I was like, if you've read Christopher Pike's The Last Vampire? And they said, no, I haven't. At no point did I feel any indication to be like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I haven't read Christopher Pike's The Last Vampire. (gasps) You need to read this. I agree. So like, I found that I did not recommend this book to someone who enjoys vampire books. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah. Right. And I think that with um, the way that vampires are kind of hopefully rolling back around, I think that there will be better and more diverse stuff without having to go yeah, back to sure. Sita, the blonde Indian lady. Yeah, yeah. Again, I appreciate that she's bisexual, but yes. I would like to see more bisexuality on the page, even though, again, she's absolutely 100% bisexual. She yes. uses it multiple times. That is a good thing for 1994. Hell yeah. But... The only way I can recommend this book is if you have already read it, rereading it is worth it to open up your eyes on it. Sure. Yes. All right. Our next episode, we start a new season. No, we don't. All right. So (laughs) our next episode Uh is our two year anniversary. Yay. Yay. And we are going to hopefully break the curse. Fingers crossed. We'll be super cautious this time. So we're going to reread Blood and Chocolate. You should also give it a reread. But in there as well, we are going to have a day where Senna and I live tweet as we watch Blood and Chocolate's movie. Yes, that's our other anniversary celebration thing. It's going to be fun. Uh, Hopefully you all can join in if you want to subject yourself to the fucking blood and chocolate movie. I wanted to mention I have met someone now whose first introduction to blood and chocolate was the movie. And then they went and read the book. That's got to be an experience, huh? Right? So I'm excited having not seen this movie since I first saw it and hated it mm-hmm. <laughs> because it wasn't blood and chocolate. Mm-hmm. To look at it with fresh eyes and with the idea of if I had seen this first. Because someone saw it and said, I like this enough, I want to know what the source material is. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that'll be fun. Hopefully you guys can join us for that. Um, We will put on our Twitter what the exact day will be, what the time will be, and what the hashtag hashtag will be. So follow us uh, for that information. Thank you very much for listening. You can 
find us on Twitter at Backlist Podcast. You can find me there, Olivier Hennis. We'll put that in the description. How about you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Endless underscore Run, and you can also find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Backlist and Chill. Uh, we also want to thank our patrons and all the folks Yay! who listen. Clap, 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 clap. Yes, and please do come chat with us. Bye. Bye.